a college friend of mine, likes to tell the story of the worst Christmas homily he ever heard. He shows up to church on Christmas, you know, Christmas, everyone's favorite Christian holiday associated with hope, joy, light, peace, good cheer, whose central image is a baby and his mother. He shows up on Christmas, and the homily begins something like, The cacophony of sin surrounds us and threatens to envelop us like a dark cloud. Joy to the world, right? Of course, now that I am a preacher myself, I can see how this could have ended up being a good homily. Contrast the cacophony of sin to the silence of Bethlehem. Talk about how the enveloping cloud is conquered by the star and the angels. It could totally work. But, given how my friend tells the story, I'm fairly certain that's not where that homily went. Well, preaching is always a risk, and I am very aware that if I'm not careful, I too could someday become cacophony of sin guy, whose homily lives on only at family parties where they relate how, that one time, Father just didn't get Christmas. And I'm telling you this because this homily begins with depressing statistics. But I want to assure you, there is a star at the end of this journey, and we will end up in Bethlehem. So, what are those depressing statistics? According to the latest Pew Forum survey of American adults, Christianity continues to decline in this country at a rapid pace. In the last 12 years, the number of Americans who call themselves Christians has dropped from 78% to 65%, while the number of Americans who claim no religion in particular has climbed from 16% to 26%. If these trends continue, in 15 years, the United States will no longer be majority Christian, and in 30 years, we will be majority unchurched. There is, though, one bright spot. Even today, only 4% of Americans are atheists, and only 5% are agnostic. That means that 91% of Americans still claim to believe in some sort of God or universal spirit. Now, this shouldn't really surprise us. Regardless of what certain corners of the internet would like us to think, the existence of God is a universal human belief across cultures and eras. People pray when they are scared. No one truly doubts that they have free will and a soul. Everyone who looks at creation feels a sense of awe and is aware of a connection to a force much greater than themselves. Every child I have ever worked with has an innate religious sense, an innate sense of God that only leaves them when they lose hope and wonder and trust. It is not that we grow out of believing in God. It is that for some of us, God is hidden from us by the cruelty of the world. 
Nevertheless, even as Americans are rapidly abandoning church and creed and religion, they are not abandoning God. The vast majority of Americans still claim to be spiritual and still claim to pray, just not to a God that is defined by any institutional religion. In light of this, we ought to ask ourselves if these trends really matter. If nine out of ten Americans still pray to some kind of God or universal spirit, does it really make a difference how many of them pray to Jesus? How many of them are Christian? In other words, is there anything better or worse about, say, communing with the force, as they did on Monday in the movie theater, or is there anything better or worse about worshiping the God of the manger, as we do today? I mean, obviously I'm going to say yes, there is something better about worshiping Jesus. This is a Christian church, it is Christmas. But why? Why does it make a difference who we worship? Today, in aggressive atheist circles, you will hear the argument, first made by Ludwig Feuerbach in 1841, that God is nothing more than human wish fulfillment. And Feuerbach is not entirely wrong. Again, we humans have an inherent sense that there is a God, but without more information about this God, the divine begins to look an awful lot like ourselves. We fill in the gaps based on the anxieties and desires of our own hearts. We are anxious about dying, so we believe in a God that provides us an afterlife. We are anxious about the chaos and randomness of the world, so we believe in a God that hears and answers our prayers. We are anxious about the injustices of society, so we believe in a God who rewards saints and punishes sinners. In our post-industrial society, we feel isolated from the natural world, so we believe in a God that is akin to a nature spirit, who can be found most powerfully in the wilderness. In a social media society, we are anxious about isolation and self-conscious of our differences, so we believe in a God whose primary characteristic is affirmation and acceptance. Like the atheists, I do believe that this tendency toward divine wish fulfillment exists. But unlike the atheists, I do not believe it tells us anything about the existence of God. It merely shows us that, whether God exists or not, if we don't know anything about him, we will form him in our own image. And this, my friends strikes me as a very dangerous tendency. Humanity is deeply flawed. So if we create the God we want, that God will be deeply flawed too. If we begin to think that our own opinions, desires, and outlooks are not just our own, but also have a divine mandate, we take everything good and everything bad about ourselves and multiply it 100-fold. We stop being skeptical of ourselves and start believing our own lies. 
Now compare this to the God of the manger, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, who revealed himself to the Jewish people and then chose to be born into his own creation at a time and place we can pinpoint with relative accuracy. This is not a God we can invent to fulfill our wishes, because this is a God who exists outside of ourselves, with his own personality, his own teachings, his own plans. He spoke first to Abraham, then to Moses, then through the prophets. At every turn, his revelations to the Jewish people were recorded for future generations and compiled into the Old Testament, a collection of documents which is far more challenging to the human heart than affirming of it. This is not the God of wish fulfillment. But then, far beyond anything humanity could ever have hoped for, God took upon himself a human nature and walked among us. No serious scholar doubts the existence of Jesus of Nazareth. But it's pretty easy to say that Jesus did not fulfill any of the messianic desires. The Jews longed for a Messiah who would overthrow the oppressive Roman power, who would begin a definitive era of peace and prosperity, who would vindicate the long-suffering Jewish religion. But only a few decades after his death, not only had Jesus not done any of these things, but Jerusalem and its temple were destroyed by the very Roman power the Jews wished to overthrow. Jesus is clearly not the Messiah of wish fulfillment. Still, there is no doubt in my mind that it is Jesus of Nazareth that I want to worship, especially more than any generic world spirit. Because when I worship Jesus of Nazareth, I am certain that I am not worshiping myself. Whether I worship Jesus or not, really does matter. There is another crucial way in which worshiping Jesus instead of a generic spirit makes a difference, and that is who drives the relationship. I hear often from people that they do not go to church because they much prefer to find God in nature or in family or in friends. And I totally get that. I have also felt the spark of life in many of these activities. But the downside with this approach is, with this approach to the divine, is that it always ends up being our responsibility to find God. We have to be the ones to reach out. We have to be the ones to search. And then, if we can't find God anymore, if we become depressed or lonely or numb, we suddenly start asking whether it's our fault, whether we were not looking hard enough, whether we are being punished by God for some reason. But this is not how God works, or at least it is not how the God of the manger works. The God of the Israelites, who also was born into time by the Virgin Mary, is always the one who drives the relationship. 
He does not wait for us to seek Him, because He is always, always seeking us. Even when humanity sinned and abandoned Him, God did not give up on us. From the very moment that Adam and Eve fell from the garden, God initiated a plan for our redemption and restoration. No matter how many times the Israelites abandoned their covenant with him, he always brought them back. He always restored them. He always renewed his covenant. And then, when he was ready to carry out his plan on a universal and eternal stage, God took upon himself a human nature and became one of us. God chose to live our life with all of the difficulties and weaknesses and flaws. He chose to live our death, even on a cross. God desired so deeply to be in relationship with us that he himself became a human being. The Christmas images show us just how extreme God's love for us is. He was not born in Rome, the center of government and culture at the time, but in Bethlehem, a suburb of a backwater Roman province that no one in the Mediterranean world at the time had any respect for. Jesus was not born to a king or a governor, but to a blue-collar construction worker and his suspiciously pregnant wife. And he was not born in a palace, but in a cave where animals slept, a place where no amount of frankincense could cover the smell. This God, the God of the manger, is clearly a God who will pursue us to the ends of the earth. A God who never, ever gives up on having a relationship with us. A God who will make himself present in every moment of our lives. Do you feel listless and without direction? This God will pursue you and be with you even there. Do you feel depressed or isolated? This God will pursue you and be with you even there. Do you feel like you have sinned against God or your family or your friends, that you are too flawed to be loved? Our God was born homeless and immediately had to flee as a political refugee. He's not going to let something like sin get in the way of a relationship with you. He already proved that in the manger and on the cross. Yes, it does make a difference whether we worship Jesus or a generic deity. Because a generic spirit is a black hole that sucks all of our energy and love. While the real God, the God whom we know as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this God is a well of infinite love who will fill us to overflowing if we simply open ourselves to him. My friends, the reason so many people leave the Catholic Church but do not abandon their belief in God is because at some point in their life, 
They looked for God and did not find him here. Maybe it was an ideological difference. Maybe it was the scandal of clerical sexual abuse. Maybe it was the hard-heartedness of the priest or the community. We may never know. But my heart breaks for these people, because when they did not find God here, we effectively sent them out on an impossible quest to find a God who cannot fulfill them or make them happy. We sent them into the arms of a God who is merely a mirror of ourselves, with all of our flaws and corruptions. If you are one of these people who has walked away from weekly Mass and are only back today because you are with family or because you figured you should, le- you should at least come for Christmas, I'm very happy to have you here, and I'm also very sorry. I'm sorry that you looked for God and did not find Him here. That's our fault. There is nothing wrong with Jesus only with his followers. Jesus continues to pursue your heart and continues to do everything in his power to have a relationship with you. I hope you will give him another chance, whether it's here at Assumption or at another Christian church. My brothers and sisters in Christ, It is indeed a Merry Christmas. No story could bring us more hope than the Christmas story, in which we see once again the extremes to which our God will go to show us his love. I don't need a God of wish fulfillment. In the manger, my every wish has already been fulfilled.